Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Redemption 10B podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Uh, today, I have with me um, our ministry intern, AC. And today, I actually have a new guest um, on the podcast, um, Benjamin Jensen. He's the pastor of communities and arts at Redemption. Ben, do you want to just give us like a brief intro, who you are, let the people know, you know, a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, my name is Benjamin, and I'm pastor of communities and the arts at Redemption Tempe. <laughs> is that is that what you wanted? Do you want you want a little something different? You know, I was hoping for a little. You know, yeah. Let's let's know you know a little bit about you, man. Yeah, when is you your bet. birthday? You know, when did you have your? That's right. My know. birthday is in December, December twelfth. You learn how to ride your bike. I mean, uh, yeah. I was born uh, right when automobiles were invented. <laughs> so I'm a little older than you guys. Um, and I come from the cold state of Minnesota and I live in the hot state of Arizona, happily. Um, got a wife named Lacey, um, and we have two kids, Zoe and Roman, and uh, we live here in Tempe. Awesome, awesome. Uh, great to have you. And, uh, I mean, we're just going to dig right in. Um, you know, we're starting our first swath of scripture here. Um, we're diving right into the book of Genesis. And uh, as we spoke about on the previous podcast, you know, we talked about seeing the Bible as a story. So, I mean, what more important or one of the most important parts of the story obviously is the beginning right so um, as we speak about the Bible being the true story of the world it's important that we understand how this story began um, in the Genesis narrative we're seeing you know the story of creation fall redemption and restoration taking place even within you know this 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 book um, you know we're seeing God as the creator of the world, um, creating everything good and perfect. Um, we're seeing the fall of man, you know, and the effects that it has, you know, a lot of the sin that, you know, a lot of the early inhabitants of the world actually committed are still amongst us today, you know, and we still see that brokenness from the fall, um, you know, and we see God, you know, God's not a, a creator who just created and sat back and said, oh man, what did I do here? Or, you know, I, or gave up and threw his hands up when things, uh, you know, went went wrong. Um, he is actively, you know, just upset and, uh, you know, is not pleased with the evil that is present, you know, due to the fall of man. So, um, actually, as we uh, finish this podcast today, we're going to get into a couple of the common errors that we we, we uh, encounter as we read Genesis. It's easy to get caught up in uh, certain details or maybe there are certain parts that we feel like weren't explained correctly and we're going to kind of just give you some, uh, I guess, some points to think about, um, you know, to kind of kind of shape when, as we're reading Genesis, uh, pitfalls and traps not to fall into. So uh, as we, uh, as I just kind of talked about, you know, we, we see the story of creation fall Redemption, restoration. Ben, um, just want to kick this over to you, man. Like, yeah. where do you feel this fits within the true story of the Bible? Yeah, the, the true story of the whole world, as we call it. You know, uh, right. for for our true story project, that's where it gets its name. Right. Um, I'm going to actually reference the the Squid Book, uh, page five has the four major parts of the true story of the whole world. And so you've probably heard them if you've been around Redemption Tempe. Um, if you haven't, well then, you know, you're welcome. Here, here's a gift to you. This is such a helpful way to, to really see the Bible and the whole world. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Four major parts, four major epochs of, of our existence and of the reality of the world. Um, 
In the Squid Book, it actually gives a helpful summation to of these, so I'm just going to read it. Creation. God created the whole world. All was good. Fall. Sin broke the whole world. And all was corrupted. Redemption. The Father sent his Son, Jesus, to reconcile the whole world. All of life is all for Jesus. And finally, restoration. Jesus will restore the whole world to perfect goodness in the new heavens and earth. All will be good forever. So those are those four parts, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Here, we, we like you said, we, we start at the beginning, massively important. Right. Like if you've, if you've ever come in late to a really good movie, like if you're 10, 20 minutes late, you miss the beginning, it can throw the whole movie Seriously, off. Seriously, it's just not no the same. You have no idea what's yeah. going on. You're completely right. lost. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of the prevailing culture and Christian culture, we really focus a lot on sin and on the fall. Definitely. Um, which is a true thing and a real thing and something that's the reason Jesus came to re- rescue us. However, we, we minimize creation and we, we minimize the importance of it, the significance of it, really the thickness of it and the beauty of it. And what that does is it skews the whole story for us. Um, so here with, with Genesis in the beginning, we see we find our place in both creation and then just over a couple chapters, then the fall right away. And right after the fall, like immediately after the fall, Genesis 3.15, God just starts his plan to repair the brokenness, his plan to redeem the lost, his plan to rescue his people and bring them back to himself. And so it's, it's so huge in that. Um, I was, uh, I'm reading the Chronicles of Narnia with my daughter, Zoe. She's five and it's really fun because it's such a beautiful, it's just an amazing story. And for me, and then she's enjoying it too. We are reading the third, the third book called the voyage of the Don Treader in the story. They're taking a big voyage out East to go find unknown people and lands and maybe find Aslan, the lion and, uh, a storm, a huge storm, like a hurricane sized storm comes upon them and it lasts like 13 days or something. And, and Lewis, C.S. Lewis writes this, this quote, which is he's so good with his way with words, um, that says something like, it felt, it lasted so long that it felt as if no one could remember what it was like before the storm. Hmm. And I feel like that's where we yeah. land now in this world. It's like, it's hard for us to remember how good the world really is. It's, how it, it's hard for us to remember how good, really how good God is who has both created a good world and sustains a good world even now, even with us in this very room and with any of you listening to this now, that God is here and is good and loves this world that he has made in a good way. So that's that's one way that the Spirit reminds us through the, through the scriptures and through through reading scriptures in community that um, that God is good. And this place is, is good, but it's broken. Right. Um, um, two words I like to say about the world uh, that we live in is it's beautiful and broken. Hmm. So it's not naive. This place is broken. This place is ugly. There's some nasty stuff that happens. Yet, um, it's it's beautiful. And we shouldn't get caught up too much on just one or just the other, but really see this as a whole story uh, that God is working through. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration, we see just huge parts in the book of Genesis right away as creation and fall. And then just the this amazing plan of restoration that God brings in immediately. Man, that was a really uh, complete, thorough. Uh, you know, uh, I, just, I, I just, I, I think it's so important that um, you know we can so easily fall into the trap of forgetting that everything was created perfect mm-hmm. and good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you know that even understanding that you know affects our ability to uh, how we evangelize. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, you know, really, uh, thanks, Ben, for kind of 
fleshing that out for us. And, uh, you know, we have so many uh, different stories. I mean, a lot of these things, these stories I, I learned growing up, you know, uh, creation and the story of Noah and the story of, you know, Tower of Babel. A lot of things unclear, um, you know, to me as I was uh, kind of learning it. And, uh, you know, I, I, AC, I want to kind of help us to understand, you know, as this was being written and as these stories were being told, like, what did... What what did the author want to be understood by his audience? Well, we should ask Benjamin. He was there. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point, man. I so, was young, though. I was really small. Ben, I don't what were you much. thinking as the Tower of Babel was being constructed? <laughs> hey, that's pretty tall. Yeah, that's, that's a good building. Yeah, I was helping to build it. Um, no, I mean, when you look at like when Genesis was written, um, Genesis is part of the first five books of the Bible, the Law. And this was given to the Israelites as they were entering into the promised land. Hmm. And so Genesis is the first book of that. And it would have given them an understanding of, of where they came from uh, and, and why why they're here. Hmm. Um, that, that God created them and that God created them good, uh, but that humanity fell and uh, the fallenness of humanity spread all throughout creation uh, and resulted in divided nations and then within this context of divided nations and fallenness, God calling Abraham and through, through him forming a people for himself to participate in God's mission to redeem and restore all of creation. Mm. And so the Israelites would have understood, the original audience would have understood Genesis as very formative to their identity as a people. Hmm. And I think, too, hmm. with, within the people of Israel... One thing that's that's helpful as as an audience hearing this is that there were a lot of creation stories, like mm. almost every culture, in fact, right. in the entire world, for all of history, has some idea about how this place come about, how this place come to be. Like, look at this, you know, these trees and mountains and hills and oceans and rivers and animals and like us, we're here. And almost every culture, like you're talking in the 99th percentile, saying there's some higher power that's do- doing it that brought it about. Around around Israel, like the nation of Israel or Palestine or the Middle East in those times, there was a, a lot of different creation narratives, too. Um, a couple of them that, that I know of. One is uh, is this Epic of Gilgamesh. It's this right. old historical yeah, thing. Yeah. This story, Gilgamesh. Babylonian, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and it's, it's saying that God created the world by, or gods created the world. Um, by battling each other almost entirely uh, well in, in the ancient areas it seems like those are all the world being created out of conflict a bunch of gods get together it's a big battle royale it's kind of like Wrestlemania <laughs> and and somebody gets thrown out of the ring and that's the world that gets created right <laughs> and you, it's you like see, a body slam you creation. see the same thing with the flood story right mm-hmm. it's something you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of different narratives within different cultures of us some flood a totally. huge flood wiped yes. out people yeah you know, creation some, and flood are really right. common so the Gilgamesh one is that um, one of the gods uh, there's an older god and younger god the younger one was more powerful he he killed his father or this older god uh, who was a serpent um, skinned the the snake this serpent and Mm. that's what the skin of the snake is what made the sky and like the the meat and the body of the snake is what made people like something like that okay so that's one another one was a a heresy in the early church you know this false belief that was pretty deeply rooted called Gnosticism which uh, comes from just this root word of being Gnostic like spirit um, or or just, just like body and spirit is two separate things and uh, uh, it said that 
there were two gods, at least two gods, again, that creation, even biblical creation as we read in Genesis, was one lesser god rebelling against the supreme god. And when he, his form of rebellion was to create material. Because they believe that all material is sort of condemned, is damned, is bad, is, is evil in some way, inherently evil. And then um, when we die, so we're in bodies, which are really just prisons. Materialism, m- materials is prism, prison. And when we die, we are freed. And our spirits go to be with the supreme ultimate God, um, where you're reunited just in a spiritual sense, and that's perfection. And all material things are always bad. That's Gnosticism. Those are at least those, those are two things that were floating around um, in different probably eras. And this this comes in to Israel, to the audience, and says there is only one God. Number one. Number two, He is all powerful. Number three, he didn't use existing materials like existing snakes snake or stuff skin or, or whatever. Like that, right. he, he created out of nothing, you know, the Latin phrase right. ex nihilo, yeah. from nothing. And that he's good. He's not angry. He's not he's not like this this kind of selfish, um, like teenager type of guy yeah. who just really like has a has a has big strength but like really is is unpredictable and mean. And so he, he creates this good world. And to them that would have stood in contrast to a lot of cultures around them saying, Oh, there's lots of different gods, it was all created out of conflict, everything's a big accident, the gods are kind of against us, and so you just do your best to please them, otherwise you might be in trouble. Whereas this is a god who who creates and forgives and shows grace and certainly he has righteous anger anger, but there's also this fatherly sense that he has created a people and he is keeping them for himself. And the world is good, like material things are good. Right, and it's so interesting you bring that up because a lot of times when you hear people say uh, or try to disprove Christianity, they'll mm-hmm. point to something like, well, you know, there's so many different creation stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's just there's so many different flood stories that Christianity is just really an amalgamation of all these different stories right. put together. Right. Yeah. So it's um, you know it's really important that we understand that uh, you know that this is the Bible is really the the true story and it doesn't derive from you know mm-hmm. some sort of myth ancient myth or mm-hmm. you know anything like that. So uh, we've been kind of referencing the Squid Book. Um, you know, uh, if you don't have one, you know we they're available after you know any respective service that you attend at Redemption. And uh, if you want to kind of go through uh, or take a look at Understood. It is on page eight, and that just goes through each letter of the squid approach that we've been using. Um, summarize questions, understood implications, and do. So as we uh, kind of use that approach to understand Genesis, you know, um, one way of uh, how, how the story should be understood is that, um, you know, God has a mission here. So what do you feel like, how is that mission understood through the, the different, the various narr- narratives that we've, uh, we go through in Genesis? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's a massive piece of really seeing the Bible rightly, is that there's a movement here, there's a narrative that moves forward, it keeps moving. Um, it's the same way that history has a meaning, history is moving towards a point, um, a real point, and every single thing that's ever happened, it has real meaning to it. There's not this meaningless void um, that often kind of is assumed by a lot of things. Some stuff means is meaningful, but most isn't. That's not true for God as a sovereign over everything. Everything is meaningful, and that includes even the very beginning, the creations. You know, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without, without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of wa- the waters. And God said, let there be light. Hmm. And there was light, you know, and so on for the next several verses in chapter one, explaining, showing poetically how the world was created and ordered. Um, I think right off the bat, 
um, before even getting to us, though that's probably the most um, bearing on our lives, right. is the reality of what creation was. Um, the way I like to say it is that creation is an act of divine exuberance. Hmm. It's God overflowing his own goodness and love. God does not need us, and he does not need this world. He is completely self-sufficient. There's like a fancy theological term called aseity, meaning he's completely self-sufficient, completely self-reliant. He doesn't need anyone to be God. He is God alone without us. But he is a good God, and he is loving. And his act of creation and, and his lordship over all things is, is an act of his overflow of love. Um, one metaphor is that picture, picture the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in like an amazing band, um, and they're rocking out, and, uh, and they say, this is so good, we should take the show on the road. Let's go, <laughs> put, let's go put on a concert. And the concert is creation, that we get to enjoy who right. God is and have a relationship with our creator and a sustainer. And so even right off the bat, there's a sense of, of, of mission, of sentness, in that he sends his own goodness and love to us through this act of creation and lets us uh, live in it. And then, of course, it gets more explicit. Um, Genesis 127 about God creating man in his own image. And then uh, 128, sometimes called the cultural mandate. Uh, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This, this sense of, I am calling you to something to do something. I am sending you, Adam and Eve, as people uniquely made in my image, you know, like tigers and sharks and um, seagulls were not made in the image of God, only Adam right, and Eve. Adam and Eve and right. so he sends them to be fruitful and multiply and to go do something. He gives them a job, a task to do something. Of course, um, not far after this, at least in the narrative, uh, the fall happens, Genesis right. 3. And um, we see this brokenness this brokenness of, of who Adam and Eve are in their identity and what they're called to, and really a brokenness of the mission that God has called them to, to be fruitful and multiply, to take care of this garden, to expand the garden, to be fruitful even in the sense of, of cr procreation. Like, they right. are going to create their own little images, you know, in that way, like having children and a family, and the family's going to grow, and, and, so, and it was intended to be perfect perfect garden, perfect sustenance and provision all the time um, and perfect relationships, no brokenness. But of course, brokenness comes and the mission then um, is is amplified in a different way, um, where we see that, that God then begins his plan to say, I'm going to send someone um, to fix what has been broken, ultimately in, in Jesus Christ, his son. And before that, he sends many people. He makes a people for himself, Israel, and um, and people to lead that people and to show the grace of God and the goodness of God, which all is sort of just singing and echoing and, and shouting sometimes the goodness of a God who created a good world in the first place to create this kingdom, retake the world that way. Yeah, so I mean, even through that, you know, uh, you, know you have these very, you have the fall happening and you have uh, various, you know, horrible, terrible things going on. Um, and I think it's sometimes it's easy for us, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's easy for us to get the impression that like, God is being caught off guard mm -hmm. by a lot of the, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, of what is happening throughout yeah. the, you know, the Genesis narrative. And we know that definitely not to be true. And we understand that, um, you know, despite man's fall, you know, God was still, or God is on his mission, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, mm -hmm. he's redeeming the world. And we see some, uh, types of that, you know, yeah. we ultimately does it through Christ, but we see some early types 
of that um, in the stories of uh, the narratives of Joseph and yeah, Abraham, yeah. Noah, and, Noah, and, and, and so, Abraham, and yeah, right. Isaac and Jacob. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think uh, you can see even the mission sense, the movement of the narrative. You, you you start in the Garden of Eden, probably historically in Iraq. Iraq, somewhere. yeah, that's because it mentions the, the Tigris and, and the Euphrates, Euphrates right? Two other right. rivers I don't think we know about anymore, right. but Tigris and Euphrates are still real rivers, and we know where they are. And so you see them in Iraq, but then you see, um, you know, they're kicked out of the garden and they have to move. And there's this reference to East of Eden, um, which, is, you know, becomes like a, a term almost for like wilderness and desolation mm-hmm. in some ways. And out of the ground, out of the sweat of your brow, you have to you know, right. toil to get to get um, food and provision and to live, whereas it came easy before in the garden. Um, and then uh, Abraham as Abram is called out of the city of Ur and he and had many sons right yes and, that's right and, uh, and many I'm sons had, had father are you, you I, one am, of yeah. I am one of them nice and so, so, so am I. I'm gonna start so, doing this so the, with my left arm yep left okay. arm left arm in the song doesn't count unless you do the motion with it. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm actually here doing it yeah, right now. You are. Yeah, you are. So. I appreciate that. <laughs> sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. That's just, good. Know. That's because yeah. you kind of get the mission sense because yeah. you're, you're walking along like Abraham was walking, Father Abraham. Um, yeah, but anyway, moving right, <laughs> um, moving uh, of of actually like location, people and place. Um, the narrative moves along and it goes from from different people and places, and it goes you know Noah and the flood um, into his sons, and and then the line of Shem, and and then Abraham, Abraham's sons Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob has twelve sons, and Jacob's name renamed Israel, which is where right. we get that from. All happening in Genesis. I mean, there's a ton of yeah. stuff in this. Uh, Genesis gives very few commands almost zero um, whereas later on in the Pentateuch in the first five books it's like Exodus you know Leviticus, Leviticus a lot of commands right. so there's a ton of Ten Commandments and then a lot 600 and I think 13 total kind of ceremonial laws but here in Genesis it's narrative it's story all right. the time moving along and, and so you move these different characters ending you start in the garden and you end in the, the nation of Egypt with well, Joseph you know I want to ask you guys a question um, of all these different narratives that we've heard in, in uh through genesis what is your favorite one and you know actually i'm gonna start um my favorite my favorite uh story in genesis actually has been uh jacob being the angel and they wrestle mm-hmm. and i don't know why it's always made me a little squirmish too when his hip pops out yeah i just imagine you know him uh kind of going through that but then you see like uh you know him receiving this this blessing you mm-hmm. know from this angel and being renamed, and if you read uh, Jacob's narrative, as he was a, like a trickster, mm-hmm. you know, someone who was uh, was always trying to get over, right? You know, right. Um, he tricked his way into his blessing. He's a deceiver, man. He's yeah, he's the deceiver. Blessing? Yeah, and uh, you know, but from that day on, there was a change. You know, he was re- renamed Israel, and but you know, it's kind of like in our lives. You know, even though you know we meet we meet God or God comes to us, and um, you know, our lives change. You know, sometimes there the effects of sin. Yeah. to uh, to uh, stick with us, right? So you know, in this case, uh, Jacob was left with a limp, you know, yeah. for the rest of his rest of his days. Right. So right. I, I, I've always liked that uh, that narrative, and I just feel like it's a interesting uh, illustration of the gospel. That's that's why your new album's called Wrestling with Angels, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll actually be uh, uh, debuting uh, the verse. My uh, a couple verses uh, from that album it's at the end of this man. podcast. It's gonna, yeah. be, it's gonna be good. All right. Yeah. Um. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> AC. Yeah. A. 
you know, he's gonna Jim's not here. Jim's not here. You know, right. to, you know, he's Suge, obviously. Right. Uh, but right. you know, you're gonna drop 16 at the end, Warren. And we got Benjamin here. Well, I need a beat maker. Be- Benjamin, here's the thing: if if the True Story Project team is like Death Row Records, okay, all of Life r- Records, all of Life Records, yeah, Life Row. Benjamin, Life Row, records. Life Row. Benjamin's all like Doctor Christ, you know. <laughs> you can see me. Right, I'm stop. <laughs> we can do this all time. <laughs> the three day, the three day theory. Seven day theory is more applicable to Genesis. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, that's true, right. man. That's, that's true. Right. That's true. Hey, <laughs> you know, I would say that Benjamin is like. Dr. Dre, man, because if, if you're holding a squid book in your hand right now, he produced that. Wow, He man. created that. Uh, you know, and he's got a lot of people he's working with, collaborating to design, right. but he's the dude behind all that production. You hear that? You hear that? That's Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dude, that's that's quite a so shot. So we have, have uh, Beats by Ben. We have uh, Jim Knight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, you know what? AC, take us through the implications as we read through Wait, was he going to say his favorite? Oh, Man, no, uh, hey, no. Or do you not have one? You know what? what? I nearly skipped over you, man. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Go through Lamech? your favorite Lamech. part of Genesis. Nimrod. Nimrod. <laughs> Nimrod. No, I, actually, great, great I actually like Judah. 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 Yeah. Judah's okay. my dude. I mean, yeah. you got hmm. the whole thing with Judah and Tamar. Right. It's kind of shady, but it's kind of shady. That's a little. It's a real shady. statement, but all right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go. We'll go with that, man. But you see a, a huge transformation in mm. Judah's character. Gotcha. Because then when it's Benjamin. Not this Benjamin, but the Benjamin in Genesis, right. who's we, trying to get sold out by uh, Joseph. Right. Uh, right. Judah's the one who steps up and says, "Nah, hey, put it on me." It's true. Put it on me. So just seeing that transformation from Judah being selfish, not caring about others, to being self-sacrificial. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the story of Joseph at the end of Genesis, uh, where you know he, as as his brother, um, does some stupid stuff with like he's got this he's got this fly coat, but uh, he brags about it. He tells his brothers about how he's got a dream and they're gonna ru- he's gonna rule over them. Yeah. Just not something you do with older brothers probably. Yeah. Um, and they man they they don't just they don't just like give him a hard time. <laughs> they, they throw him in a pit. Right. They sell him as a slave. So yeah, uh, it's serious. It's it's a it's a serious family. You know you don't you don't mess around. You don't mess around with that. <laughs> That family Israel, but uh, but just the, the way God used that with Joseph and um, you know sent down as a slave as an exile into Egypt, probably thinking his life is over, he's gonna get killed at any moment or be in prison for the rest of his life or be a slave, and then look what happens. Like God right. raises him up and uh, it does something amazing with it. So uh, I love I love that story. Great man, um, and uh, would love to kind of uh, have you guys kind of think about what you know what is your favorite story there's so many great narratives as we go through genesis you know i wonder what uh you know some people's uh favorite stories would be mm-hmm. but uh just kind of moving along here um we want to you know stick with you know the the squid approach or squid idea of thinking and we want to think about the implications you know there's definitely a large um amount like amount of scripture that we've gone through a lot of different narratives but i do think there are some overriding implications as we go through genesis so uh ac would you kind of Hit on some of those. What do you think are some of the overarching, overarching I mean, implications? When you look at Genesis, this is where we get a lot of our philosophy as a church about hmm. all of life being all for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because here in Genesis, you see the origin of a lot of different domains of life, agriculture, art, music, commerce, politics, education, family, leisure. Um, it's all either there explicitly or implied in the text as it beginning. Um, and one thing to look out for as you're reading through Genesis and thinking of the implications for all of life is looking at that at the very beginning with the knowledge of, of good and evil, as it's called, um, 
Adam and Eve make the decision that they want to define what's right and wrong on their own. Hmm. That they want to have knowledge of good and evil as opposed to just trusting God, taking his word for it. And so then the way you see the story flesh out, obviously what we think of right and wrong leads to worldwide devastation. Mm-hmm. Literally. That's so yeah. true, man. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And then as you look at the narratives of the patriarchs, I mean, you see, even though God's choosing people, they continually keep making wrong decisions. But at Genesis 50, you see Joseph saying, what you meant for evil, God used for good. Right. Um, and so when you look at this, this tension between what God says is right and wrong and what we think is, is right and wrong and start applying that to the different implications, the different uh, domains of life. I mean, you look at someone like Lamech who started uh, poetry and, and he, and, and a, in a very negative way. I mean, this dude was like, hey, if y'all come at me, I'm going to come at you. Basically, you know, he said, mm-hmm. hey, if anybody hurts me, I'm going to get them 70-fold. You know, um, you have Cain building the first city, and is Cain the first murderer? Is that the dude you really want building a city and being right. there? I don't right. know. Right. Hey. So, so <clears throat> Some you credentials have, to run on there, yeah. You <laughs> see all these different domains of life tainted, but think about in the garden, what would have cities look like? Hmm. What would have music have looked like in the garden, and, and what will it look like in the kingdom? And so just as you're thinking of all of life, and you're thinking of the different domains of life government politics in this election season and sports and music and family yeah. and church yeah what is our definition of right and wrong as a culture and what is god's vision and how would that look like well, one thing that came up uh, recently in in a discussion actually with with my rc we were talking about creation god is powerful enough to create everything in like the snap of his fingers but he decides to create in phases you know, hmm. it talks about the six days of creation, right. really of ordering uh, what was already there, um, what he had created in, in Genesis one and two, and it's just amazing. Like it really has hit me um, that creation was was less like um, magic and much more like art. God yeah. came and and he acted like an artist, and first he sketched it out, kind of drew it up and drafted it, and then he started filling in the colors and the strokes, and like right. and then put in the fi- you know the bigger painting of it, and then put in the final touches to really and make the it stars in the yeah, yeah man yeah, he's doing, he's yeah. doing s- the sun and moon and stars he's he's doing uh, cr- separating the waters from the sky to the to the to the lower water, and then it becomes dry land appears and becomes oceans, and it's just it's beautiful like this this process. It's really encouraging to me because I can't do I can do like almost nothing in one 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 try or right. one one element. Right. Uh, it takes me time and um, I'm finite. And so the process of making something, of doing something, of really seeing that come through is a, is a great implication, especially for like work, right? Right. You're just like I wish I could snap my fingers and have all oh, man. work done in. in That's like my prayer every morning, man. Actually, yeah. yeah. That's right. Just, That's right. Just, just, yeah. Doesn't it hasn't been answered? Yeah. You know? Or it has been answered actually, and. Uh, well, I'm excited for you to get a little more all of life as we oh. read through this one. It's going <laughs> <laughs> to be, be good. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's amazing, right? right. Like, uh, the implications of what that is for us now. So we know that uh, God's ultimate redemption plan was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, it's kind of like Jesus disappeared in the scene, you know, in uh, Matthew. Right. You know, I didn't I didn't understand that, yep. you know, he was a part, you know, of creation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and there's there are some maybe not so overt ways that, you know, Jesus is present within the he is overtly there. But, you know, it's not if, if we don't kind of like read into it, like read and understand, you know, the creation account, understand like the, how the Trinity works. 
that we uh, will miss yeah. Jesus uh, yeah. being there in creation. So, um, but what are some ways do you feel that you know creation and just uh, Genesis points towards Jesus as the King? Yeah, uh, man, so, so many ways. Uh, I'll say this like, along with you that. For me, Jesus showed up in the New Testament when I was younger, um, and it just and you know there's even churches like just New Testament churches, right. people that say well, I'm a New Testament Christian, which is seems a redundant phrase. But uh, for what what's unfortunate about that is if you lose the Old Testament, if you lose the the, the breadth of the story, the fullness of the story, you really do lose the story. You right. lose the power of it in many right. ways too. Um, not that Jesus can't save through even just one one verse or one chapter or whatever. You know, he has a power to do that, but in my experience, the New Testament, Jesus was so incredibly enriched and and made deeper and wider and more beautiful and more powerful by starting to understand what the Old Testament said and how it led up to this one whole story, uh, one, one, one narrative together, all connected. So here's a couple of examples. How about I, I hit it yeah. quickly? Um, uh, I like to, sometimes I get to teach on this, and so I get to ask where, you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, God creates the world. Do we see the Trinity um, early on? <clears throat> and I say, okay, here, where's God? Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. There's God the Father. Right. And uh, verse 2, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. It's kind of capital S, the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's the Spirit. Where's Jesus? And oftentimes people go to verse 27. When we when it says let us make man in our own image, like what image are we made in? We are made in the image of Jesus, which is totally true. Um, you know, we Jesus didn't didn't become like us or look like us. Mm-hmm. We actually became like we look like him. Right. So for all of eternity, Jesus had a nose, and so that's why we have noses, right? He had, right. he had two eyes, and that's why we have two eyes. Um, something like that. I don't know that for sure, but like that's that's what it is. We're made in His image, and uh, but even before that, you you look at that um, the, the, those early verses of creation, and John one, the Gospel of John one helps us because he really brings out this idea. In the beginning um, was the was the Word, word right? right? And so he's clearly saying, hey. I'm talking about creation. That's why I'm saying in the beginning. Right. Every every Hebrew reading that or G- hearing that, um, reading about Jesus that way would for sure say that's creation in the beginning. And therefore goes back and says, okay, well, Genesis, where, where in Genesis do we see something with a word? And there it is, right? Genesis 1, 3, and God said, let there be light. And and that is the word. That's Jesus right there. Like everything's created through him, through him and for him. And so that's right there. We see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's pointing to Jesus. Like I mean, from the get go, right? It's it's right. it's Father, Son, and Spirit. Christ is there as as Lord, as Creator, as Sovereign. Um, another one would be that just the types of people we see that that Adam was called to, to be fruitful and multiply to do something, and he failed in it. He was the first Adam. Later right. on in, in, in Corinthians, Paul talks about first Adam and second Adam. And the new Adam, and, right. And the right. new Adam right. is Jesus. And so there's Adam, and then there's Noah. Um, think about what the, the narrative of the ark is. Everything is going to be destroyed because of wickedness. That hmm. feels a lot like our eternal state right. if, if we are unrepentant sinners. But what comes and saves? An ark. Uh, uh, this, this, this thing that's built, this thing that's sent in order to save a specific people. 
Jesus is the ark that saves us. Um, and in this way, like Noah's the one who is the leader to build that and to save a people and to then repopulate the earth, make a new creation. Um, we see that with Abraham right. as being called blessed to be a blessing, um, that he is the one that will be the first fruits that will start this, this family. That's what God, you know, like your people will be like sands of the seashore, um, stars of the sky. And, and so similarly that we see Christ as the first fruits of all creation, the firstborn son. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the one who starts it all, the family of God and so on and so forth. Right. So many ways joseph that story that's my favorite um where he's sent down into egypt and um even though it's not by his own choice he god sends him and at the end you know the genesis 50 20 what you meant for evil god meant for good i love it and so that many might be saved right Right. like it's incredible so that's completely this idea of of jesus going into darkness going into walking into a place of wickedness that was all against him even going to prison and taking on that in order to save his people. And God brings it about that he ends up being the conqueror and the ruler. And so we just see it over and again. Here is Jesus, one after another. Um, finally, this this story I, I love, and I'll, I'll tell this briefly, mm-hmm. kind of a, a view from the serpent in some ways. Oh, that's interesting. A kingdom view. Right. Okay? So um, God creates Adam and Eve. He says, you are made in my image, you're special, you're unique. I make you kind of like vice regents, like, you know, uh, not better than vice president. I mean, who wants to be vice president? But this is like kings, the king and the queen of the earth. If God is a big king of the universe, they're like, or the prince and the princess of the, of the earth, of all of creation, and it's yours. You have authority over it, I give it to you. You have dominion, right? Well, when they disobey God um, in the garden, when they disobey God, when Satan tempts them, they are essentially... Um, giving their allegiance to Satan because obedience is is obeying the will of somebody else and therefore if they obey the will of Satan and disobey the will of God they are giving their authority to the person they're obeying mm. and they gave it to Satan so they gave right. it to the serpent so then let's fast forward way into Matthew yeah. where you and I we're like, hey, where we feel like oh here's Jesus showing up right. he goes Matthew 4 is the temptation in the, in the wilderness and so there's a sense of kind of formless and void Jesus is taken out to this wilderness Satan comes to him in similar ways that he right. came to Adam and Eve and he says hey here, do this do that make bread and, and Jesus is re- resisting these and the last one he says he takes him up to a high place and says look at all these kingdoms of the world these are mine and I'll give them to you if you simply worship me. And um, in that, I don't think Satan's lying. Hmm. I think he did have a sense of dominion because he took it. He stole it from right. Adam and Eve, right? right. They, they right. worshipped him in that That's way. Good. Mm-hmm. And so he has it. But Jesus, Jesus is the second Adam. He's the perfect Adam. He is the new creation. And he, he looks at the devil and says, I'm taking the kingdom back. This is mine. No longer is this yours. I'm not falling to this. And, um, and I'm going to resist your temptations and I'm going to worship God the Father alone and do what he has called me to do and I'm taking the kingdom back and man, that's, that's, when, that's when it really began that's when the kingdom just came crashing right. into this world the kingdom of God came crashing, crashing into the kingdom into, of the devil the right. kingdom of Satan and a broken world and we start to see even more clearly the revelation of God and the redemption of our world the renewal of our world it's a, it's a beautiful thing, man so like that's the story aspect of, of where we see even in the garden of Jesus fulfilling what was supposed to happen and, and bringing back bring us into a new creation so you know uh we hear those various connections that uh benjamin was making you know that we see that jesus was ever present throughout the uh throughout genesis throughout creation throughout the entire old testament he just didn't just arrive on on the scene in, in matthew or anything like that like john says john one says in the beginning was the word the trinity was working together as a uh as creation happened so um 
Now, without further ado, we want to hit these furious five points. I talked about it in, uh, you know, in our intro, um, and it's just five common mistakes that uh, people make as they read through Genesis. So, AC, I'm going to pass it over to you. Um, two sentences or less, man, or uh, you know, we just want to kind of hit these almost rapid fire, man. So, uh, you want to take it away? First point is prescriptive not descriptive flesh that out for me yeah um, so when you're reading the actions that these people make in Genesis you don't want to think oh well this is the way that I'm supposed to act or this is the way that God wanted them to act right but instead read it as God is simply recording how they acted it's not a it's not prescribing how you should act it's describing how they happen to act all right uh love that man and Moving on, I really love this point, man. Um, I think this is a common mistake, of, you know, we can we can make as we read through Genesis, man. This is this is I would say this is one that I had fallen into sometimes. Uh, but seeing God as reactive and not proactive, right? Yeah, you, you look at um, the mistakes that these people make, and it looks like God keeps having to change His plan right. over and over like, and over again. Right? <laughs> oops. But that's not Genesis. the case. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's not the case at yeah. all. And f- rather than that. Look at it as God is the protagonist of the narrative. Gotcha. And he is the one who's determining what's happening. And people are responding to him And as the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. God's definitely sovereign through that. Uh, love it. Um, also, um, next one, man. I love this one, too. God is okay with people being marginalized and general wickedness. So these are ways we misread. Yeah, yeah. This is, no, this, yeah, definitely clear, want right? to make that clear. These are, these are ways <laughs> that generous. That's cool. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I that's meant that as a way, uh, you know, that a common mistake right, that, we, that we fall common, into, you know, totally is true. that, um, and, and uh, you know, I, I think about, you know, a lot of the people who try to dispel Christianity and say, oh, look at all the wickedness that God allowed or mm-hmm. all the wickedness mm-hmm. that God thinks is okay. So, um, you know, kind of flesh that out. You know, we don't, what, what is this, how do we fall into this mistake and, uh, you know, how is it wrong? Again, it, it falls into prescriptive or not descriptive mm-hmm. is to look at the way that they acted and the fact that God chose them and you make the mistake that God chose them because they acted in these ways and that God approves of, of polygamy and, and all sorts of behavior. But that's incorrect. Um, Actually, you know, God is is choosing and using despite these failures. One of the big examples, Jacob, Mm. you know, who turns into Israel, gets the blessing, steals the blessing from his older brother. Right. right? You see, so like you've got this thing like how does this dude lie and then get a blessing? Right. It doesn't make much sense. But in reality, it's it's um it's it's not saying it's okay for him to lie. It's saying God's grace is bigger than Jacob's sin. Right, and a big thing to keep in mind is at the very end of Genesis in chapter fifty. I mentioned this earlier. Is that Joseph says to his brothers, "What you meant for evil, God meant for good." And yeah. so you see that theme throughout Genesis: people making evil choices, evil actions, but God using that for good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think sometimes uh, you know, given the. Some of the terrible things that happened in Genesis, we see it as a just a series of mistakes, right? Yeah, you, you know, see, just you see the flood, right? You know, um, and and you think, I mean, you see the the Garden of Eden and them eating the fruit from the tree, and you think that people just keep messing up God's, right. you know, get get off God's lawn, right, messing man. everything up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But again, um, like he's rolling the dice and he's right. not yeah. coming up right every time. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the New Testament, it says that Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. So this has been part of the plan 
from the beginning. Right. God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who may muck things up along the way. But again, that's one of the central themes of Genesis, that though we muck things up, God is able to to fit that into his plan. Right. Gotcha. Um, great. Um, and just lastly, um, I think a lot of times we have a tendency in our way our human minds work. You know, we live in the age of enlightenment, right? Or we're, we're, a lot of our thinking comes from the age of enlightenment and reason. So, you know, when we read a story or a narrative like Genesis, um, you know, it, our mind thinks of, well, how was that created? Or how did this come about? You know, just because we don't necessarily have every specific, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, kind of talk about falling into that trap of thinking of the how of creation not like the why right I mean people write books people get in arguments and debates right. over how old is the earth mm. um, is evolution compatible with Genesis 1 that's yeah. not the way it's supposed to be read it's not supposed to be read like some kind of scientific textbook mm-hmm. it's supposed to be read in, in a formative way why did God make us What's what's the point of that as opposed to how can I figure all the little details about how old the earth is and, and, and you know, did, did we evolve and those types of things. People get caught up in that for an, an endless discussion that goes right. nowhere as yeah. opposed to asking, why did God make us? And what's the goodness of creation all about? One one analogy could be if if uh, AC and I are, you know, we're in elementary school together, we're going to do, go to a multiplication test, right? We're going to go three times three is nine and et cetera. And um, we're working on that and we're really trying to get, get to the test. Um, then I ask him, hey, dude, uh, how are you getting to school? And he's like, what, do you need a ride? I'm like, no, no, I just really want to know how you're getting to school to get to the test. And he's like, but... The, you mean I don't, I don't quite understand why does that matter? Like, it's yeah. like no, no. I just that's really important to me to know how you get into school to do our test. You're like, but the test is a thing we, we're studying for. The test is what we're looking for answers for, not not how I'm getting there. That doesn't really matter. And I think getting caught up in the how, right. how many years is the, is how old, how old is, is the Earth? Earth right? Um, you know, the sort of creation versus evolution. Right. Um, there there's significant pieces of that that are good to talk about, but sometimes it's like asking the wrong question. Definitely. And uh, in no means, in no way is that just a cop-out. Um, you know, we understand that there are a lot of difficult questions yeah. as you yeah. go through as you go through uh, Genesis. So actually, um, that kind of leads us into what our next episode uh, of this podcast uh, will be. We're going to be answering a lot of the difficult questions that uh, you know, we feel that you will encounter as you go through Genesis. Um, thank you, Ben. Thank you, AC. And uh, until next time, until thanks the next for listening. Episode. Until the next, until the next episode. Yeah. <laughs>